Welcome to Dayton War Cry Club. I'm Warren, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts Zach and Dave. Today we'll be catching up with some analysis of the results from the largest Warcry tournament we have on record, which took place at Warhammer World. Since it's the end of the year, we'll also talk about the year in review and what we're looking forward to in 2023. And finally, we have an announcement for, a week for what we hope will be our largest tournament yet here in Dayton in January. Hey, good evening, guys. How's it going? Going great. Good. Been a while since I've had since we've had Zach on, and I think it's been a little while since we've had you on too, Dave. Right? Yeah, I think for a, for a full episode. A couple episodes, yeah. Well, you guys are in for a treat tonight. We get to talk. We get to talk about warband lists. Get to. I think I don't think you guys have seen all the stuff, and so I think this will be some really interesting stuff to talk about. See your your thoughts and views on this. I've kind of looked at it, and I have some thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I'm excited to jump into it. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest part of it. And also talk a little bit about the tournament and how it went down as well. We'll also talk about, well, we have our hobby update, of course. We've actually all been pretty busy this month actually getting stuff done. And then also since as of the time of recording, it's December 30th. And so we figured we do, I do a real quick year in review about everything that's happened in the world of Warcry this year. And also kind of talk about what we want to plan on doing next year. And then we'll we'll also talk about, you know, upcoming events. Yeah. So for the hobby update, as we talk about this, keep in mind also that if you're listening on a podcast platform, the best way to experience this is going to be on YouTube. So, but we'll talk a little bit about this cool, you know, some of the cool hobby stuff we have here and, and talk through the army lists for you as well. But so we got Zach first. So what, what do you have here? All right. So. On the left, really, actually, just in general, I had a whole set of corset terrain for Warcry that I just wasn't in love with. I bought it on eBay when we first started getting into the hobby as a group, and the cut, the paint job just wasn't to my liking. So I've started repainting it. I got it all reprimed, as well as I also purchased at some point in time a box of catacombs, which comes with a half set of the corset. And instead of just building those pieces out, like just, you know, like carbon copies of what already exists in the corset. I, I looked to make some more unique pieces. So I combined some of the scatter terrain with the corset terrain and like made made some taller and some more larger scale larger scale buildings. One thing we've been talking about as a group is going kind of going beyond the the game's intended design for how dense the terrain is in any given board as one a way to neuter monsters but also as a way to just make a little bit more complex gameplay so that's that piece on the left is my first attempt at making a little bit more complex pieces for my corset board and then the picture on the right is kind of the whole smorgasbord of it's like your whole this your whole christmas hall there too it looks like yeah so that's my christmas hall my wife sought help on picking out christmas for me so i got the the Underworld starter set, which comes with some Night Haunt and the Sacrosanct Chamber. Yep. Yeah, um, those are got... Castigators, crossbow dudes, I think. Yeah, and then we got a Legion Yoda set, which actually comes with two Yodas. We got the alternate sculpt Vampire Lord, unique named one. His name's escaping me. As well as the Canaanite Shadow Stalkers versus Skaven Underworld's box. So quite a bit, and also you can see 
my my first couple pieces of my new corset paint job those probably need to come down with a little bit of dry brushing on the wood just to, to kind of lighten it up a little bit but that's pretty much the paint color scheme i'm going for and if you can see the gray that used to be blue and very blue so mm -hmm. it's a much better a color scheme and then up in the front, we have some pieces for Legion. They're custom printed. I got Baze Malbus and Chirrut Imway from Rogue One, a big Rogue One fan, as well as I finished off my Cassian Andor and K2SO on the far left. We have Grogu and Dinjarin, and then two D&D minis I painted from Loot Studios because I 3D print. In the back right, we have my Jade Obelisk, who are not primed or anything. Probably will be able to prime a bunch of stuff this week, though, because it's actually warm in Ohio in December. So, yeah, I don't even need to use your garage. If it's not raining, I'm probably priming tomorrow, too. Nice. But yeah, yeah, that's you, me for hobby. Yeah, you, huge Christmas haul. Yeah, a word about the terrain, since it's since it's good to talk about it here. I'm also looking at ways to take the boards that, that I have built and just make them a little bit denser as well. So I'm looking for creative ways to sort of go with what I already have. So the graveyard board, looking at some extra trees or some extra GW terrain pieces. I think for Red Harvest, I think we're fine if we just flip the board over and put lava side up. I think that adds enough. Just enforce the lava side, yeah. Yep, just enforce the lava side. I think that adds enough dead space to make that complicated enough. And looking at something like, I'll probably just do something basic, like, you know, two sprues, like one, one of the smaller Ezret ruin sprues to dense out my starter terrain. Mm -hmm. And then my defiled ruins, maybe not even touch that one. Maybe just keep that one as is. I'm not sure. But, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. We'll talk about this in the, in the GW thing too, right? But it's a lot of work that they're kind of putting on TOs to sort of balance the game via terrain with you know if uh, if monsters aren't going to be you know put in check i prefer the game out of the box to work perfectly but that's just my opinion well i mean they had all those train sets were designed prior to monsters being so readily accessible yeah true well speaking that's of terrain true. yeah Only so i was sure would be yeah, I was on a building spree too. So I got some of the Sundered Fate. I got two of the three big Sundered Fate pieces done. The third piece is a hollow, and I'm probably going to have to do that in sub-assemblies. I still have all Heart of Gur sitting in a box. I'm probably going to start working on that too once it gets colder again. And I just built a whole lot of other stuff. I finished building out another Prosecutor. I finished building out you know, the entire box for Blackstone Fortress. Some kill team, the guy up there with the horns. I did a little head swap for the Traitor Commissar. This is the Blooded, the Chaos, the Traitor Guardsman in kill team. So I got that whole team built, a roster built for that. And then also getting on the orc bandwagon, Fred had a bunch of iron jaws. So I was hanging on to those. I got a bunch of those built. I'll probably be first on the iron jaws bandwagon then after the stormcast project. And then probably about halfway through my backlog of stuff to get built. There's, I still got quite a lot to get built and I'm still realizing, Hey, I want more options and want to build more stuff too. So it's, <laughs> the struggle is real. One thing that was really nice about the Gur terrain is that it came, the Shattered Fate box came with combo cards, which we kind of yeah. saw in the original expansion terrain from the, the original core set, where you would see the core set plus the other terrain. However, the difference being that these match. 
So yes, and we've seen pictures of what the what the what the boards look like when you take mm -hmm. the two boxes and combine them together, and it looks sweet. Yeah, it does look good. My real question, still moving forward, is: Is it just going to be A plus B, A plus C, A plus D in the cards, or is it going to be? I don't know if you could really build it out to A plus B. You know, like all the different combinations, all the different A plus B plus C plus D. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> it would be insane. You'd have to have a double double board, I think. Well, I don't mean using them all. I just mean like having options from all of uh, the, the various boards. Yeah, I imagine. I don't know if that. I think they do it. I think they do it A plus C. Because think about the starter train cards. Mm -hmm. All the shattered realms terrain kits that came afterward that came after the starter set in 1.0 had those alternate configurations that combined with the starter but none of those other boards combined with each other yeah it's a reasonable guess that that's the the preferred so if you get design. c then yeah so if you get box c then you would be able to have a combo board with a with a probably a board and a half worth of terrain on a single board as well i think we might be able to reasonably expect that and then so yeah and so i i <laughs> I got to I got to experience the infamous Heart of Gur trees. I thought they were nightmares. Uh, they were they were tricky. It's like a weird 3D puzzle. I'll say I, I had a harder time with the Mega Boss to be honest, because he's one of those hollow guys too. Uh, so my just if you're if you haven't built them yet, here's a few a few pointers I've kind of given to some folks. One is, well, use plastic cement. I use that that Fowler Super Expert plastic cement. Uh, it tends to set fairly quickly, and you want to work on two things at once. So you need a little bit of patience, and you use that and kind of you do the plastic weld together with the plastic cement, and you you work on one piece, and then you let that set. You know, you get it to where it's it's partially set, and then you set it aside for 15 minutes, and you work on the other big piece. Hmm. And then you get to a point there and you let that set and then you go back to the other one and it's set to where the thing is going to like fall apart in your hands. And so I had reasonable luck with that. And I still have a few gaps, but oh, yeah, I can't prime these yet because I got to go over it with goo to fill, do some gap filling. But yeah, generally speaking, I had a fairly OK time with it. You're not going to go with my my determined method to keep it all together of holding it upside down and spraying flex seal into the the hole in the bottom. No, I did. <laughs> I didn't even know you did that. <laughs> yeah, there was one piece that I was just really unconfident about or not confident about. So I just like once it was done, I I, I have gray flex seal and I just sprayed it into the hole and it's like you could drink you could drink like a cup out of that that piece. It, it's watertight, <laughs> solid. <laughs> All right. And so I know if you, I don't know if you have any other hobby stuff here going on, Dave, but you got one of your pieces here that I don't think has been shown yet. You got to use this last time we played. Yeah. And I, I, I guess it's my turn to be kind of on the downswing. I just haven't, you know, with the holidays and everything. I just holidays, new job and stuff like yeah, that. I get it. Yeah. I just haven't been feeling it. So I've got quite a backlog of blood crushers and I got bread harvest put together still. So. And I can't even take credit, but that is that is my exalted Deathbringer up there. He actually came pre-painted on, on eBay. So if you happen to be that person who sold me, thank you. Good job. I did clip off your nice but too big base and rebase it and did some touch-ups and I hit it with some, some null oil. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I can't really take really even take that much credit for it. 
And then I'll also good. speak. Yeah, since we probably won't be meeting again for about another month or so, I, before we forget, you just show off some of Fred's handiwork here too. So Fred's been bit. So Fred's off work. He had a had some family stuff going on tonight. He's been off work, and he's actually being hammered out a lot of hobby too. So he actually completed Nurgle Demons. And so I think actually this is a good looking list. It's a it's a bunch of the cheap plague bearers. And then it's the Lord of Afflictions, I think. One of the big Nurgle mortals on the fly. And then a Varengard. So you have two fairly okay. mobile hammers in that list. So that's something he wants to test out probably next time we play. It looks great. I mean, Nurgle's right up his alley. Mm -hmm. And then also, I got infected by this too. So he's also looking at... He's, also, he's looking harder at Thunderstrike Stormcast lists. I think there's already a couple solid ones. I... I want to say Thunderstrike is probably is solved or close to solved with the, you know, the obvious good units. So, but he painted up, he's got a paint scheme determined for Annihilators, the Grand Hammers, a couple of Vindictors, trying to figure out what the, what the rest of that list is. I have a, you know, I think it's, it's a, if you have the ability to use Zandire from Zandire's Truth Seekers, I think she's the she's the key to it all. Plus Tempest Eye Ally and a, a teleporting tree guy. We've seen we've seen this hat in a, from a couple tournaments do very well in Norway. Some lists from there, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, real real strong. I may or may not have picked up a bag of Annihilators yesterday as well to hop on that bandwagon. So even before I've done a warrior, even before I've completed painting up a warrior chamber warband, I'm collecting. Thunderstrike pieces as well, and imagining, okay, well, I'm gonna, what sort of alternate paint scheme am I going to use for these? And yeah, struggles real. I just can't stand the the traditional gold. Those in this case, in yeah. this case, my my ideas. Well, I, my my warriors, my warriors. I'm going to go in way wider on because I want to get liberators now for them too. That's like that, you know, the 40k Grey Knight scheme. I could live with. Thunderstrike with the typical stereotypical gold and blue. I think I could deal with that, especially because if you're going to use Zandire, you want to, you know, I think she's a cool model and I'd give her like her default paint job and just kind of go with that. Mm. <clears throat> okay. And that, but I wouldn't be going anywhere near as wide with Thunderstrike as with Warrior Chamber. But again, this is a yeah. This is a you know. If you had infinite time to do everything, then you know that's that that's the dream. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's get to the meat of the matter here. So we we'll talk about the big tournament Warhammer World. So four rounds of match play. This was about a month ago now. So they had 32 players there. The largest Warcry tournament on record. Played four match play missions. If you look at the overall scoring and placing, it was a combination of the victory points you earned from the missions plus points for best painted and also sportsmanship votes for your best opponent. Because of this, Phil Kelly was the winner for this and because he had all four of his opponents gave him the best opponent vote. And so he actually wound up, even though he went two and two, one and one, he wound up winning the overall event because of all those soft scores. And I'm hmm. not going to get too deep into that. That's, that's a tip. That's a typical GW thing where your overall tournament winner is a combination of the best general and who had the coolest war band or the best voted or best painted or, or best opponent. Best opponent. Is that like, Hey, my opponent Every, was a lot of fun to play with. Yep. Yes. Yep. So it's subjective Every, completely. Yep. So, yep. so everyone got, yep. Everyone got one vote 
so out of their four opponents that they played, who is their favorite person to play against? And okay. for every vote that you got that you were their favorite person to play against, you got 10 points, 10, essentially 10 VPs added to your total. Oh, wow. Sorry. In addition to VPs that you to my opponents. There you go. Yeah. You like I mean, playing it. Here's a fiver. Yeah. And I don't want to go too deep into this. I mean, that is that is the way that a lot of tournaments are run. It's that combination of competitive plus hobby. It does help people try to remember not to be jerks, you know? Yes. Yes. Which is is notable. I mean, it's, it's laudable. Mm-hmm. So, but it's also, if you, if you look at res- overall results like that, you have to kind of take those soft scores and set those off to the side when you're looking at the overall performance. And then a few other caveats here before we get into the, the, the detailed results here. So with 32 players, in only four rounds, you would actually still have two undefeateds at the end of it. And then also because of the way that the pairings went, you had, you could see, and we had players that were like 3-0-1 that never got to play against the 4-0 player and had a chance to, you know, they had a chance to dethrone the 4-0 player. So even though this is the largest tournament we've seen so far, and there's a lot of lists and a lot of good information here from this, this just goes to show that the data is still just naturally, just woefully incomplete, right? In order to really figure out, like, okay, who's the, what's the actual best warband, you know, come up with a definitive tier list, who's the best player, you would have to run at least five rounds with this number of players, potentially more, right? Make it a two-day yeah. event, yeah. Run, or run Swiss plus one or something like that. But, I, yeah, go I ahead. I was wondering, like, I haven't played a constructed magic event in a long time. Isn't 32 players normally a five round event? Yes. Yep. That would be okay. five round. It'd be five rounds to, to get you down to, to get you down to a, a top, a clean top eight cut with this or have a single undefeated. Kind of let you know what, what GW was expecting as far as player counts. They were... Yeah. And also, I mean, also there's the time limit too, right? You know, they, they want to get this thing done in, you know, Four, you know, four rounds is still longer, lo- longer than they, what they normally do. They had a fairly late start, lunch break, etc. So, what's the time limit on these games? They were doing seventy-five minute rounds. Okay. Yep, there's seventy-five minute rounds. I believe it was possible, depending on the mission, that there were draws or incomplete games. Kind of, de- but seventy-five is generally accepted to be. Yeah, that that seems fair. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what we'll be doing for ours too. Okay. Yeah. That's the one thing. That's the one thing I do have to start kind of working on for you know from a TO standpoint is time management because mm-hmm. normally I'm like yep hey yep take as long as you need but yeah we got to keep the ball rolling for uh, for our big event. There was great coverage from Offman Amusing. He's done. He's taken part in all these things at Warhammer World. He had pictures of the boards. Beautiful boards for this tournament. Super dense. So another thing that you have to kind of keep in mind, if monsters underperformed, it's because here they naturally had dense boards and a lot less places for monsters to to land to control the table. And so again, terrain terrain having a, an effect on this. You know, kind of GW, it, it, I mean, obviously they have no shortage of terrain there at GW headquarters. But yeah, it's just you know something we have to keep in mind. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check out those boards. Yeah. So, all right, and then, uh, so the tournament was was so most almost all of the lists were online at Best Coast pairings, and Salty C Dan did a lot of work 
to mine the data and figure out who played who and what round and get all of the results. So here, it's a courtesy of the Salty Sea. Here is the overall, the overall victory points. So, so from just a straight competitive standpoint and the exact, like the exact matchups, who played who and who won. And you see can the see, go top ahead. of the list is a name that's not unknown. If yep. you've been oh, following the results yep. of. We'll talk okay. about him. Yep. Yeah. So Justin Orton, Justin Orton flew to England to go play in this and he went there to win and he, he pretty much accomplished his mission. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about that list. Yep. I think a few of these other lists could have given them game, but they, again, with only four rounds, you, you know, there was, there was players that he did not play. He did not play against either the other two, three, three, oh, one, three, oh, and one players. If those, either of those three, oh, and one players could have also been four and oh as well. Okay, and uh, we're going to cover we're going to cover all of the winning lists, and actually we're going to cover most of the winning lists. So first off, Just Norton with Slaves Darkness. <laughs> Dave, at your last the last time we played, you had you might have you might have been onto something there. Yeah, people were laughing at me, and uh, it wasn't quite this. It was very similar. I actually think I played I played the Varengard with the Ensorcelled weapon, I believe. The yes. Extra five points. The War Queen, and then I believe I had two Marauders. It was five models. And uh, I went two and two with it, and there were some things to take away from it. So I, it's interesting. It's the, the Sphere Ranks, I do not have a lot of experience with and i actually like its stats the more i look at it and its abilities oh yeah it's great so. it's great stats it's got a net on a double oh yes yeah um so we had the chimera a minesphere sphere ranks varengard with demon forge blade and then a lonely marauder with flail the the odd man out 995 points four models yeah, you mentioned the Mindseer Spheranx. I mean, it he's a known quantity. He's really good. If you happen to get a quad versus another monster, you can lock a monster out. The net's useful. Stat lines are great. You talked about the Varen Guard with Demon Forge Blade. I think we I know that we were all in on ensorcelled weapons earlier, but yeah, now that we're we're seeing more and more like how toughness four is important. They got the extra point of strength. And then the fact that with the merciless killers, you can get just a bunch of bonus attacks. Right. I'm pretty sure yeah, Demon Forge Blade is rapidly becoming like the loadout of choice and for five points less as well. Right, because he, he has the points to go up to it if he wants yep, to. Absolutely. So he made the decision to play. Yep. So, yeah, that's, hey, that's, that's always another extra five points. You might stick somewhere, too. So that's, that, that's a side project I have going on, too. I have a Varengard built with an ensorcelled weapon, and I just recently got a bunch of a big trade settled with Fred. And I, so I have a, I have a second Varengard now. I got to do some kit bashing, but he's going to have a Demon Forge Blade. Eventually, we are also going to get that named Varengard somewhere on the horizon. Yep. What stands out to me on this list is like that Marauder with the flail is like, he's like there to watch. <laughs> yeah, I he's know. not even there to do anything. He's he grabs a treasure he's... and runs off if that's, if possible. I mean, that's what he's there I for. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't give him the treasure. He's going to get murdered. No, you give it to the Varengard and you say, come and take it. I mean, he's yeah. there to carry a, in a treasure with, in a mission with multiple treasures. Yes, you need another body that can pick up a treasure because it, otherwise you're forced to table your opponent because Chimera and actually Spheranx can carry treasure. Yeah. 
There's no yeah. there's no beast rune mark on them. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It is an ally, and uh, it's not a beast, so there's no restriction on treasure for him. Smart kid. Oh, wow. Yep. I do believe it is like intelligence because it can like hit you with telepathy. So yeah. There's also the sorry, I lost my train of thought. There's the uh, objectives with the four quadrants as well, which marauders can they can go stand in a, a in a quarter and take a quarter. So can you just plant your guys in the middle and say get past me? Well, usually they hide behind the building because you either have to have you have to have con- like complete control of it, so you can mm. at least deny your opponent with the marauder if you go hide with it somewhere yeah i think your game plan radically changes this is like you know again if you're playing the four the four man thundercats list from back in the day your game plan radically changes when you only have four models like this i think you know for some of these missions your your goal has to be to like table the opponents if you look back at the oh this just shows the victory points uh, if you look at the, the overall scoring had kill points as well for like the amount of like points of enemy models killed and he was murdering all the other war he was like tabling them because you almost have to table them in order to win some of these missions with that with that low of a body count so what came to my mind when i saw this list was like this feels like that first time i'm going to make a magic analogy that first time you play against dredge and like legacy oh, yeah. or vintage and you're like what 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 is this guy what are you yeah, doing it's playing a completely different game yeah. it was it was like that it was like that when it, at adepticon as well i think people weren't expecting a list of four super elites to do well let alone four super elites with good mobility tankiness and moderate killing ability that could go wherever they wanted to they had no idea how to play against it mm-hmm. and i think there's probably some of that going on here too for sure yeah Makes sense. Uh, yeah, if put another plug in here, if you listen to Tabletop and Beyond podcast, they had Justin Orton on their most recent Winning War Cry podcast as well. And so he was talking about his experience there, not so much the the blow by blows of the tournament, but just the whole journey, you know, to Warhammer World and stuff like that. And and Justin, I know Justin listens to us, you know, well, good job, man. Yeah, he but he put in the work. He was I know he was he was you know, trying to figure out, you know, based on what we and, and Salty Steve have been talking about, like the theory, like he was putting it, he was putting in like reps, you know, testing mm-hmm. to try to figure out like what the best lists were. And he was doing internal play testing to figure out, okay, this list, he had a game plan versus like the other supposed top tier lists. So he just, just goes to show like, you know, this is, this is not a mistake. There's a lot of prep that goes into this, into these high end competitive lists. If you, uh, if you want to put in that work. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Next up, we got Graham Matthew, Chaos Legionnaires, 3011. Not a lot, not a lot to talk about here. This is your stereotypical, and I've seen this, I've seen a lot of people play this because it's so easy to do. Your, your stereotypical one box of Chaos Legionnaires and one Centurion Marshal. Boom, done. We just you cut have, like the lowest chaff pieces yep, from you cut out you cut out all the horn helms. You don't run any of them because that's expensive chaff and they're bad. So you have Jakuriarch. He ran two horn helm with steel bite axe, one horn helm with the mace, one mutandor, the uh, the spear dude, and then one centurion marshal. 980 points, six models. So I think this just goes to show, like for this record in this tournament, 
yes, the, the stereotypical two box Legionnaires warband of of these new releases that kind of go together aesthetically play well together as well. And this is that this is that true like this is mid range, you know, everything is solid mid range models, right? 120 points, 125 points, solid stats. You had some big guys, the marshals, the marshals of beast. Yeah, real, really solid list. So if you're new to the game, this is probably a great place to start. I mean, it's one of the more affordable ways, for sure. And as far as monsters go, it's the the best on-theme monster to go with that box. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Marshall's uh, not officially a monster, but he's pointed well, yeah. you know, stat-wise and stat-wise and point-wise. He's up there with, with other monsters. He's an ally, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yep. Anybody, anybody can take him, or any chaos can take him. You know, if you don't want a Varengard, right? He's right about that same, right about that same points value as well. Exciting. Okay, another strong list here. This is this is exciting here. So Nicholas Smith with Stormcast Eternals Vanguard at three zero one one. So here runs a Knight Zephyros, a Vanguard Raptor with Hurricane Crossbow. And four Vanguard Hunters, 990 points, six models. And so people were wondering, okay, how do you, you know, I get, I see the questions on Discord a, a lot where folks are like, hey, how do I build this list? How do I, you know, for this faction, how do I build list this one? And I didn't have a really good answer for Vanguard that I had seen success with until this. I had, I had an idea that like Vanguard Hunters at 145 points, are a pretty decent dual threat unit. Good wounds, decent toughness, a fair attack profile at 3424. If they're not in combat, they have a decent shooting profile at 3414. They're just kind of average at everything. Five inch movement's nothing to scoff at with that's, 20 wounds also. That's true. That's that's they're pretty immobile relatively speaking too. Yeah, no abilities at all. I mean, they're just they're just generic, but I mean, they do everything average and they're just kind of multi-purpose guys and then where the thing that i i thought was good and i think that uh, what nicholas has, has kind of proven here is that so the knight zephyros has a 4424 attack profile but on a double has lightning fast strikes at half the value of this ability rounding up the attacks characteristic of the next melee activation made by this fighter this activation so he, he's got a five inch move as well so oh, he can wow. move five, and with a double five or double six, which isn't that hard to get, getting high doubles isn't hard. You can get one shot in, theoretically, as a seven, seven four, attacks. two, four. Yep, seven wow. attacks. So there's burst damage there, right? Even though these guys are not, you know, he's got a, he's got a range attack he can plink with too. But uh, yeah, he's got some burst damage there. He got some speed and some burst damage, and then the Vanguard Raptor as well, with the Bulwark ability has. For a triple rapid fire, add two to the attacks characteristic of the next missile attack action made by this fighter, this activation. So missile attacks are not great in 2.0, but by burning any triple, you can take his base attacks of three, take it to five. So you can make a shot at five, five attacks, strength four with a two six profile. So you could move and do rapid fire for a five, four, two, six. That is a good attack in 2.0 you could reasonably expect to to damage do some damage on something or even take up like one shot a chaff model potentially 
I mean, I would say that your your chances of one-shotting a chaff model is actually fairly high. Yep. At, at and five, if he's... Four, yeah, you're going to be two, doing six. probably around 10 damage on average. Yep. And if you're standing still... If he doesn't have to move, it doesn't if it doesn't apply to both attacks, but you're getting eight shots. You know, a total of eight shots for the turn at decent range. That two six profile, yeah. You it's he can he can dish out some damage. So he's got some burst potential too. So yeah, I think if you're looking at if if Stormcast Astral Vanguard is your jam, this is exact this is where I would start. And maybe go off from here, but I think this is this is a really solid list. Obviously, I would be interested in the Knight Zephyrus. The double ability just seems so strong for 200 points, and he's the meatiest unit in the list. Oh, still with five minute, five movement, five toughness. I would be interested in squeezing another one of those, and maybe double even up. over, yeah, even over the Vanguard Raptor with the Hurricane Crossbow. Double knight. Um, hmm. Yeah, Just, I, I mean, can see that. You still you you do lose like the really strong ranged attack, but again, ranged is a little bit nerfed in 2.0. But you know, the opportunity to have two of those double activations, having two sets of doubles is is probably Very the most top. common yeah. of any wild dice setup. Yeah. So I think I would I would try two Knight Zephyros. Would be my next go to. That sounds pretty sweet. It gets you down to so that takes you down to nine hundred eighty points, and then I haven't looked at the rest of the the rest of the roster there. You may be able to get with that extra twenty points, bump up your Vanguard Hunter to something else too. Maybe I don't know. I might, there might I, be like a prime. You're not going to get a prime for one sixty five. Mm-hmm. There might be a, there might be a slightly different loadout maybe that you could afford, or maybe not. But yeah, overall, I'd say start with if you're going to do something, start with this, right? Because real, real basic vanguard, real basic vanguard dudes. They're also like Stormcast Eternals are the easiest models to find that you're used in your used aisle at any game store. Oh, they certainly are. I saw some yesterday, and I was like, oh, do I get these two? Like, you could take a Sequitur Prime from sacrosanct chamber at 165 is he a bursty dude three five two four attack profile that's six toughness now he's like a tank okay i'm just looking at options at that price point there's a bursty dude in sacrosanct i can't remember which one salty likes him though slaughter queen from of cain Five four two four attack profile. One sixty. You might be having mic issues. Yeah, you're you're coming in. You're coming in quiet. <clears throat> Next up, David Dam with Cruel Boys. So here, yeah. So an, another. Another popular one that people ask about, is there a good Cruel Boys list out there? Well, there might be. So th- for 330 for Kill a Boss on Great Nash Tooth. Big dude. 185 for Spider Rider Boss from uh, Gloom Spike Gets as an ally. A Bolt Boy Boss. And Gut Ripper with Spear. Four of them for 75 points apiece. So 985 points, seven models. And so I don't know. 
I don't know when we realized that crew boys have a 15 wound chaff model for 75. A similar profile. Yeah, so that's a similar profile to Zangor. And we know Zangors are amazing. So this is another relatively cheap, very tanky chaff model. So if you want your chaff, you know, with his spear, two attacks, three strength, one four, he's not going to deal a lot of damage. But that's not his job. His job is to just, you know, walk around, not die, take objectives. And for for the for that wound for those wounds and that in those points, he does a good job. And so this is kind of your whole bottoms up thing, right? You know, if you're going to build around a tanky chaff model like that, what else do you use? So in this case, we got two, well, yeah, well, we have three, three big threats, one major threat with the killer boss, five attacks, strength four, three, five, 38 wounds, toughness five, mounted, huge base. Yeah, if you want a mobile threat in faction, Great looking. You can pick them up cheap. I've seen a number of them available because they came out of the Dominion box used. Mm-hmm. Spider Rider boss is an interesting one. So not a not a, a squig hopper. So Spider Rider boss, you know, 20 wounds, movement 10, no flying, um, a modest attack profile, a spear with three attacks, three strength, two, four. I don't think I'm not super excited by him, but it's it's unique. I think when you go with a mount, you kind of Mounts didn't get the same nerf that flying units got, and you still get the movement profile that gets you across the board quickly. That's true. That's true. He's so. cheaper, right? If he doesn't fly, he's going to be cheaper than what you get. And you're right. The spider air boss, spiders can climb walls, and uh, and so he can get to where you where where you need to. Okay. Also, yeah. So you guys, yeah, good mobility there. I just I do think that like especially in 2.0, if if it's not an outstanding range profile, you're paying a premium for something that you're probably not going to use that often also yeah. true mm-hmm. one thing that really struck me on this list is like that chaff unit i was looking at the other basically the other destruction chaff units just now for five points more you get the the Ard boys from iron jaws are three four two fours the savage oryx from bone splitters also three three one threes and those are both the the choppas the wicked sticks are going to be you know your 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 generic one less attack one more strength or one more mm-hmm. damn crit damage i don't know i wonder if you take that kill a boss on great nash tooth as an ally in one of those factions instead for the better you, chaff units you could well the thing the reason why that those chaff units are better at least for iron jaws is they have move three so that they get way more they get way more combat stats that's why our oh, boys hit true. so much harder you yeah. could do that but kill and then now you're comparing kill boss and great nash tooth against a what's the comparable a gorgrunta boss a gorgrunta boss is like 295 or 300 similar profiles so if you want something that's bigger than a gore grunt of boss, then by all means, yeah, you can go with a Nash Tooth at 330. But the, actually, the the Killer Boss actually d- hits way harder than the the gore Gruntas do. The gore Gruntas, I don't think have they have decent profiles, but they don't have a 35 profile. I don't think like the Killer Boss does. I could be mistaken. Gore Grunt of Boss with Pigar and Chop is a 5524 attack profile. Yep, five, five, two. So good, right? Five, you know, five attack, strength five, but doesn't have that three, five on there. Mm, yeah. So you'd have to like, you'd have to map out and figure out which is actually better. But 
yeah, that base three five is pretty pretty scary. And then finally, he has the, the Bolt Boy boss. And there's, again, so a little bit of range burst here. He has a double aim shot. A fighter can only use his ability if they haven't made a move action. So if he's standing still, if the fire's next action is a missile attack, critical hits are scored on a four plus for that, for that action. Ooh, that's and, pretty sweet. So, yeah, and so it hasn't been FAQ'd. Yeah, so he's got a three, four, one, four profile. But if he's critting, then if he's critting, then that's, uh, you know, four damage hits, which is great. Mm. It hasn't really been cleared up if he's shooting something with a higher toughness and only hits on fives and uses this ability and hits a four plus. Does it it override that or not? That hasn't been cleared up yet. My my assumption and my ruling would be that, hey, man, if if you did it, then yes, you're hitting on fours and you're critting on fours. I, I would I would read it the opposite. I would read that a crit is just an enhanced hit, and if you don't hit on fours, you don't crit on fours. Yeah, it, it could go either way, and yeah. so you have to figure out. You know, since the since the the ruling is written badly, you have to figure out what the intent is. My intent would be like, you know, you know, don't make the ability suck because it's worded wrong. Yeah, I almost default to like the magic where like the card overrules the the static rule. So like. The ability is going to override what the 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 core ruling is. Yep. So GW, if you're listening, please. We have FAQ. We have we have many many questions about the rules here, and very few of them were answered in your last FAQ. But uh, yeah, this show, three and one, salt. You know, good result here. This shows that crew boys crew boys can be built well, and you could do a lot of different other things with this. You know besides the spider rider boss next up i think dave i think i showed you this list so that we have corn bloodbound yes this so, is a good one yep slaughter priest with a wrath hammer and hack blade at 185 a skull hunter a 260 so that's a dude riding a juggernaut 165 allying in Bloodmaster, hailed of corn and Good, just a lot of chaff here. Six yeah. blood reavers with reaver with reaver blades. One thousand points, nine models. What yeah, do you I think like, about this one? I like this list. I like like seeing that blood master, which is the the leader of the blood thirsters. It is not mounted, so is the uh, oh the, yeah the blood letter leader. Yes, the blood letter the blood letter herald. So there is a blood blood letter leader who is separate because corn is very creative with their names and everything is blood something so but yes that is the big dog of the blood letters blood Uh, master herald of corn so maybe my spreadsheet's missing something is the skull hunter new to warcry no no you might be missing it yeah i don't have the skull hunter on my spreadsheet i didn't know that there were even any cord bloodbound mounted units Yep. Looks like I'm buying one. <laughs> Good luck. Are Actually, they, I, think, I think I saw oh, some you could, loot not that long you, ago. I think I saw some there too, yeah. Yeah. They might still be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm looking. But yeah, you got, you got a solid, yeah, but you got a solid number of, you got a solid number of models here. Yeah. The Skull Hunter moves six, so it's not crazy fast, but it's. I mean, you're not paying a huge, you're not paying, paying the premium for a move eight or move 10 mounted guy. Right. Five, four, two, five, toughness, six, 35 wounds. He ain't going to die. No. <laughs> a good for, number of for a mounted unit. 
six is like the, probably the lowest movement you'll see on a mounted unit. Yeah, yeah. Juggernaut's but, Juggernaut's not known for the quickness. And then you got a fair number of blood reavers with reaver blades. Even if they fight, right? You have corns do. Right. Yeah, so this is a solid little list. And I know Bloodmaster. Bloodmaster is really good too. Five four two five for one sixty five. Yeah, yeah, very he's, solid points. Yep, I think I was rec- I think he was the guy I was saying for your demons of corn. You just triple up on that guy because he's like yeah. point for point, like one of the best guys you have left in that faction. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. So those are the top performers here. We also had a number of two one and one finishers, and we're going to cover some of these as well because. Again, this was you know just a four round tournament. Uh, they had they had winning records here. They're interesting lists, and honestly, if you know with some way some of these games went, you know I didn't watch you know I couldn't have seen any of these games. But like if any of these any of these players had won one instead of losing one, then they're they'd be in three zero and one territory, and they would be in the running for the the big prizes. So. I would say any of these two one and one lists that we talk about here, also you know, based on how the lists are built, definitely contenders. So in no particular order, we have Derek Wheatley with Flesh Eater Quartz. So this is a real simple list here: Terrorgeist, Vargolf Courtier, six ghouls, 990 points, eight models. So this is your your Terrorgeist monster list. You have Vargolf Courtier as a Plan B. And just a lot of small ghouls just kind of mop up, burn activations, take objectives, etc. This is one of those lists I think we'll see a lot of, mostly because Flesh Eater Courts are, are very strong, I think, centered around a monster. Like, I go back and forth, I kind of think I like the zombie dragon more, and maybe one less ghoul, but... Mm. My thing here, I, Vargolf Courtier is great. We've seen, him, we've seen him in action, and we love him. We love his triple. But his triple fights for Dragon Maul from the Terrorgeist. That's my one issue with that's one of my issues with this. And my other right. issue with this, just from my would I like to play this? I wouldn't like to play this because you have two big models that that, that do actually you have four activations that mean something in this list. And then you're pushing on ghouls, and that's not something I really like to do. You know, your your turns become a lot more boring after you've you've had all your fun with your big guys. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this I mean this show this was this so remember we didn't see any monster or we saw the Chimera at four and zero but we didn't see any other monsters in the th- in the three in the three win range but we we're gonna see a couple monsters here in the the two one and one range this just kind of shows you where the monsters sort of sort of fell in the field here the rest of the monsters around the middle of the field still legit lists still able to crushing an unprepared opponent but yeah not really not really dominating i'd say on the day yeah and and after playing you know a fair number of games with my camara i mean really it's it's still a game where things shake out i mean it's you have to roll dice you have to have initiative i mean you know just the way things can change if a monster gets gets ganged up on, it's going to go down. So, I mean, it's not, they're not unbeatable, but they are very, very good. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, we have Charles Shepard. So Charles, Charles is one of the co-hosts with Aiden on, on Off Meta Musings. And so I like, I love this list. I've, I've seen it talked about already. So Nurgle Mortals, 
And you know, instead of doing like the eight model Nurgle mortal list, he's got seven models and he's just bringing in the Varengard with Demon Forge Blade. And this is where a lot of that theory really proving that the Demon Forge Blade was the was the loadout to go to. And so he did fairly well with it, two, one, and one. I've listened to the, his reports. I think Charles had kind of characterized it as, you know, you're really, everything else moves so slow, it's not going to die, but you're really putting a, a lot of weight on the, you're a lot of weight on the Varengard to do a lot of the killing. If the, if the Varengard does his job and kills a lot of stuff, then you win. If the Varengard gets dealt with or comes on late or something like that, you might not have such a great time. So that's one of the weaknesses of this list, I think. And I think Charles has kind of realized that as well. But I love the concept of this. The fact that he's, he's gone and had fairly decent results with, you know, we, we don't normally think of Nurgle Mortals, the Blight Kings, as, you know, a super strong faction. But I think they're cool as heck. 30 wounds on 145 points is is pretty substantial i mean you suffer for the movement the attack profile is not her not terrible three attacks you'd be prefer to see four attacks there but three four two five on a 145 point leader it's not yeah there's a bigger leader with a bigger with a bigger weapon but then the points don't work out you can't get seven models with the varengard Right. Gotcha. The wounds, the wounds are really good, but yet they're all their toughness comes from the massive number of wounds. They have toughness four. So I, in my one game playing in Light Kings, I was actually, you know, Radovers were still able to chew through the wounds fairly quickly to take out twenty-five wound models. It wasn't like I was hitting on fives or something like that. But yeah, awesome, really cool list. Love to see it. All right, next up. So this is a known quantity here. So Nurgle Demons, you know, essentially your Chimera, Plague Ridden, so the uh, Plague Bearer leader, and the and then 10 Plague Bearers. So 980 points, 12 models. feel like it's missing a Sloppity Bile Viper. Just, I mean, it's such a great name. How can you not play a Sloppity <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah, so you could cut a Plague Bearer, upgrade the Plague Ridden to Sloppity, and then you still have 11 models. Yeah. But yeah, this is your stereotypical, you swarm the board, your chaff doesn't really get killed too easily at toughness four and ten wounds. You rely on the chimera to do to do the work. But let me double back here. I'm going to double check his records. So he lost one and drew one. Find it on the list here. Chimera Nurgle. He lost in round one to Sylvaneth. Then one versus, one versus the Terrorgeist list. One versus Nurgle Rotbringers, and then Drew versus Rotmeyer Creed. Hmm. You always got to wonder, though, with those fourth round draws, if they played it or if they just drew it out. It's always, There's, it's always yeah, a question it, with last. It would be an intentional draw. No, I believe the Rotmeyer Creed player, though, that would have been that would have been Aiton, and Aiton Aiton is a solid player. Yep, that was yep, that was Aiton. Him, heal me. <clears throat> Okay, I'm just saying, like, in, in general, whenever I see a fourth-round draw, I always wonder if they drew it out at the end of the no, round. Actually, you, if you listen to Offman Amusings, you'll get the rundown, and he we actually he'll talk about exactly... He, he actually covered this game in his, in his report. Okay. So if you want to figure out how, how, the, how the Nurgle Rotbringers managed to take out the Chimera, you'll, you can get that from his report. Next up, Sam Wheeler with Soulblight Gravelords. So this is, oh yeah, we showed this one to Fred. He loved this one. This is this is your true swarm list. Necromancer, 
Dire Wolf, a Castellan, which is a Blood Knight leader, a Skeleton Champion with Mace, and 11 Skeletons with Ancient Blade. I love thousand, that. Yeah, for 1,000 <laughs> points, 15 models. So you got two leaders, a Thrall, and there's like 12 Skeletons. Yeah. There's a, there is something to be said for fielding the maximum amount of models that you can you can put down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that I mean the Castellan, he's he's got a bonus profile that's like four four two five, move eight, thirty wounds, toughness five. So you got a mobile unit there. The Necromancer does what he does. Direwolf's a fast unit, can carry treasure too. Is it not a beast? Nope. The, uh, weird. the uh, yeah, the undead thralls aren't beasts either. Okay. That seems like an oversight, but <laughs> yes. roll with it. A, a it's chaos dire. Hound, okay. A chaos hound. A chaos hound is a beast. Cannot not smart enough to carry treasure, but a dire wolf is either an undead wolf, and but can carry treasure, or a dire wolf is just naturally smarter and can carry treasure. I don't. Whichever. <laughs> it's, it's just so dire. It can pick that treasure up. I just looked down at my my huge pile of unpainted skeleton warriors, and I did see that I built the the champion with the mace, so that's nice. Always good to have options. All right, next up, I'm going to butcher his name, Nick Ogrizko, with Iron Jaws at two one on one. So this looks good. So I'm I'm on the Iron Jaws train, and actually this matches up with the brutes that I built because this is the loadouts for the brutes that come in the box because you have limited number of parts. So he's got a brute boss with a boss choppa, a brute with the gore choppa, a brute with a jagged gore hacka. And if you can't tell these weapons apart, I, there's pictures up here to show you the stats because, again, Iron Jaws weapons, like, that's a choppa versus a hacka or a what what is what, but it's all here now. You got a gore grunta with a jagged gore hacka. And you got three Ard Boys with a Choppa plus shield. So they're not the Ard Boys are nothing to write home about. They're 80 points, toughness five, 80 or 15 wounds. Yeah, not 80 wounds. A 80 wounds would be something to write home about. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so tanky guys don't you know you don't expect a lot of them, but the three brutes is good. The Gore Grunter for some speed. Yeah, this is this is the sort of list that I like for Iron Jaws. That matches up the loadout, and you have that Gorgrunza in there for speed. Locally, we have you know David terrorizing people with his triple brute plus a mega boss. That's solid list too. But I like having kind of these options. Plus, I kind of like the variety of having the different loadouts on the brutes. Plus, you know your brute boss can use can use Wa. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is to see lists moving away from multiple, like going back to the standard one hero. And then just all in faction and still being successful or fairly successful. Um, you got to wonder, like, how hard would it have been to, oh, yeah. to maneuver the points to get another brute boss or another gore, gore grunta? Mm -hmm. Or even something along the lines of, like, swap out an Ard Boy for a Brugit or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. how much do you want to splash? But I, I appreciate the the thematic the thematic part of me you know the part that likes consistency and solidarity within yeah. right. construction like i appreciate right. the the one faction box the pure the one faction or band yep the yeah. pure list versus the soup lists mm -hmm. i appreciate it well this is the opposite next james <laughs> cliff with gloom spike gets so here's your typical destruction soup list 
So this time, he has a strong leader in faction, Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig, an Ale Guzzer Gargant, and now we got a Brute Boss with the Boss Claw and Brute Smasher. So similar profile to the Brute Boss with the Boss Choppa here. Mm -hmm. You got a Brugit, you got a Bottle Eye, you have a single Netter, and that's 990 points, six models. So pretty elite list here. Three small guys, three big guys, and then a lot of it coming from from either allies, monsters, or out of faction. Yeah, I mean, what what can you say about a soup list? You're just pulling the best that you can from the entire faction and, you know, making the points work. The previous soup lists that I had looked at with Gloomspite gets actually just focused on taking the cheapest leader possible and then playing the most elite units that it could and the other two hero slots. Yeah, I so I like this actually. That's that's a good a good point. So he he's using Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig. So we know that Squig Hoppers, Squig Hopper Boss, and even Bounder Boss are a lot more fragile than they used to be. They don't yeah. hit as hard. They're going to get hit back. The Loon Boss on Giant Cave Squig, toughness five, twenty six wounds, four attacks, strength five two five. That guy still has the punch from a flyer that you typically would fear from the old squig hoppers now you're paying for that now you're paying 285 points for that but i think that is a you know that might be a viable ally if you want to bring in a if you want to bring in a, an ally in your soup list your destruction soup list or you're just staying you know or you're basing it around gets i think the loom boss like giant cave squig is a potentially good call yeah i like it Plus, you have all the other utility from the Brugit and Bogolai as well, right? You have all those other things going for you as well. Mm -hmm. Plus a monster. The monster, triple, dragon maul. Yeah, 45 at, wounds. Yeah, 45 wounds, only 315 points for the for the uh, the Gargants. When he's undamaged, four attacks, strength five, four, eight. Yeah, he he can mess some stuff up. All right. That's the last list that I had. Honorable mention, I, I didn't cover this one. Again, going back here, Aiden. But he's a Nurgle Rockbringers. Again, check out his coverage on the channel Off Meta Musing. Great coverage of the round by round for the tournament report there. If you want to know more about Nurgle Rockbringers, he has a very detailed guide on how to build them and how to play them. Again, yeah, great content from him. He's one of, I really love his stuff. You know, check out his channel because, he, you know, he did well with Soulbuck Brave Lords. Actually, no, he, he did well with Counter Control with Osiarch Born Reapers recently. And he's also going to next. He's going to try to break Hunters of Huanchi. So he's oh, already wow. got yeah. He's got some stuff painted and converted up there. He's got an ally that he thinks can you know kind of you know shore up the weaknesses in, in that warband. So yeah, I can't wait to see what he does next. That sounds pretty impressive because I was I am doubting that faction. I don't even know what they are. It's the 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 other half of the Shattered Fate box was the okay. the Seraphon, but it, they, they're they're is that the new skinks. Yes, the, yeah. all the new skinks. And they're okay. also, uh, most of them are pretty unimpressive. Yes. But, Compared uh, to the the Jade Obelisk, who are almost all impressive. Yeah, those, those are some, some cool-looking dudes. So, spoiler alert, because uh, he's posted a few things, some shorts and some pics of it. So, he's going heavy on the Hunters of Hawaii, or who are the, uh, the spear dudes with the helmets? Hawaii's Claw. He's going heavy on Hawaii's Claw. He's converted up a bunch of them. He's got a short guide on how to do that. He's going to be allying in in the Kellyan King. Okay. All right. and, and he's already got the thing. He's big into converting 
Like he'll he'll use he'll bring in an ally, and, but he will convert and paint the ally so it matches up. So he's got this Achillean king. So it's a big bird, a big coaddle with a lizard riding it. Nice. Yeah, I've seen the pics. Yeah, it's just this is this is the the off meta musings fan club here now, right? He's putting out he puts out great content, does well in tournaments, sweet conversions and stuff like that. Just great all around stuff. But enough about enough about that. We have you know we got enough stuff in the back you know, in the you know behind us here in 2022. This sort of represents some of the best lists at the tail end of 2022 but i want to kind of go back because it's been a it's been a year it's been a long year we played a lot of war cry this year and can you you remember when we started this year we were playing and we didn't even have underworld's war bands we only had like we had six of them but we didn't have toma champion we didn't have any of these other underworld's war bands toma champions came out in february of this year less than a year ago can you imagine that it only had what six months? Six months to live. Yep, about six yeah. months to live. Unfortunately, due to the timing. GW, yeah. give us rules if you're listening. Give <laughs> us rules for all the old war. You don't have to. You don't have to like rewrite the rules or the stats, right? Just rerun the points algorithm. Just tell us what the points are. Give us a points update in the new Toma, Toma Champions, and that's all we need. Let us let us play them though. Give us. Give us the updated points. Because if it is an algorithm, you literally just run it through the program. There's no free Dower no Kragen. Free Dower Kragen. Yes, we want we want Dower we want Dower Kragen back. I want, I want some Clacktrock back. <laughs> yeah, Clacktrock. So many, yeah, so many, so many sweet heroes, name characters. And then uh, what else we do? Oh yeah, so back in March I had this crazy idea. Hey, let's do a podcast. And none of you, I blame you guys because none of you guys stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are, episode fifteen, and still doing it. We actually up to about two hundred eighty subscribers as well. You know, plug in here if you like listening to us on on the podcast. Stop by, give us a sub on YouTube. That's where we really. That's that's the one place I do really check. You know, comments and subscriber yeah. numbers and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we're going to keep on doing more podcasts in 2023, you know, about once a month, three, four weeks, every three, three, four weeks now, I think. Because again, we're trying to balance out events, content creation, personal hobby in real life. Absolutely. I think May, Adepticon was in May. So I went to Adepticon. And so we had a couple episodes of the podcast under our belt, but I, and I was there just to observe. That's where I met dan the salty sea from the first time met a couple of the other folks really good experience got to really kind of see how deep the strategy in the games went i met justin there for the first time as well and yeah i wasn't really like out there like hey yeah man, my name's warren and i have this new podcast as well and i wasn't really like out there necessarily like hey you know putting our name out there and marketing and stuff like that. But Adepticon's coming up again next year. I'm getting shirts made. Getting more Pride <laughs> Club shirts. Yeah. We're going if down not, force. Yeah. If not, yeah. Fred's in charge of shirts <laughs> or stickers, like stickers and business cards. That's at least those, right? We're going to, yeah, we're going to litter the place with it and get business our, get our cards. names out more. It's yep. all just pictures of my face on a shirt. <laughs> I can't even think of business cards without thinking of American, American Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Yes. 
But they're just Warcry cards. They're Warcry need... stat cards. Instead. <laughs> Tasteful <laughs> thickness. Okay. Let's look at. Let's look at Paul Allen's card. <laughs> it even has a watermark. What would Paul Allen's card be? Is that eggshell? Chimera. <laughs> Chimera on eggshell white. <laughs> yeah. So, and then over the summer, we played a bit over the summer here. And then, you know, real quickly, you know, everything happened real quick with the news of the 2.0 release, all the war bands dropping, went to Gen Con, Fred went to Gen Con. Proved that spiders were the spiders were the most broken thing ever at the tail end of 1.0. September, I went to Nova. Nova Open, played in that. Got to see some of that. November, we had the big Warhammer World Tournament. So, yeah, there's kind of a summary of, like, the big major tournaments that we had coverage of or in 2022. And probably expect some of these events to, some of these events to go on. With access to Best Coast pairings, there's some other places. There's other hotbeds of Warcry as well. Kansas City, Salt Lake City, Utah have a have some a lot of results in Best Coast pairings. Spain has had had some regular tournaments, and uh, so our tournaments we're gonna get our rosters and standings in there now too. Coming up, you know, coming up next month. Before we talk about that though, what else we have coming in 2023? Put you guys on the spot. What you, you have? I don't do New Year's resolutions, but you guys have goals for 2023, hobby goals. Yeah, I got a couple actually. One, I want to work through the backlog. I have a huge backlog of unpainted miniatures, and as long as it's cold, I can't 3D print. But I also just bought like two huge STL packs of like 150 STLs, and they're high quality. So I like I already, I've already, you know what's the word i've already like got them all ready to print they're already on my usb drive as soon as the weather hits my my 3d printer is going to be just going two and it's, it's something we've kind of got away from as a channel and i don't know if there's less interest in it or if we've just kind of personally got away from it and i'd like to revisit it is doing battle reports we haven't mm. done a battle report in quite some time that's true. that's true maybe we check the data and see if there's interest in it and if you want to leave us something in the comments about like thumbs up battle reports thumbs down battle reports if it's something you want to see let us know i'd love to do more potentially if you know if if we continue to grow as a channel we look into i know warren this is going to make warren shudder some live <laughs> live battle reports and maybe maybe somebody else does the editing so he doesn't you know off himself <laughs> yeah those are my two things tome of champions with you know underworld what's Warband. yeah what's coming yeah. in 2023 that tome of champions 2022 make it happen g-dub yeah for sure dave what do you want to do in 2023 oh i'm just gonna get fatter and more opulent than than ever before no, I know uh, what Dave's going to do. He's going to play Star Wars Legion with me and Joel. Apparently I'm doing that. No, I, you know, I'm going to finish finish my terrain at some point. Finish up painting all the things that I have. I'd like to expand, you know, into another warband. Maybe something besides Chaos, since I have a lot of Chaos already. I don't have any real particular plans. Okay. So my goals, we're going to continue coverage. I'm going to continue running events trying to balance life out. And so my goal for 2022, I kind of fell short. I didn't set any goals for like war bands, but I wanted to get 
a lot of terrain done. And I was partially successful. I got about two and a half sets of terrain done in 2022. Kill, kill team, one kill team one, one war cry one, and about half of another war cry one. So I want to kind of finish that. So part of what I want to do is kind of continue on the terrain, work on the backlog for that. Part of it is densifying my existing boards. And then also either... Either the Heart of Gur or the Red Harvest terrain. I'm not sure which one's going to catch my fancy, but one of those have one of those complete by the end of by the end of the year. I of think 2023. Yeah. Oh, you got it. Yeah, you two terrain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, two two. I'm figuring I figure two terrain, two new terrain boards plus the additional the additional upgrades to the the previous ones because we got to keep I and mean, we want to run tournaments again you got to have more boards from a warband standpoint i want to get more warbands done so next thing on the agenda is i want to get my just one vargolf courtier and i'll have flesh eater courts updated to where i want it for a bunch of options for uh, for 2.0 stormcast warriors is the next on the list that one's really captured my imagination good quick win there a lot of a lot of things I want to do with that, and I'm still going into the drawing board on on a just a bunch of different Stormcast options. The Orcs are next after that, the Iron Jaws, mm. and then after that I got a lot of thing, a lot of places I could go. Slaves to Darkness, I have Slanesh, I have Horns of Hatchet. Looking at Thunder Strike as well, so I'm not sure where I go after that, but the, I know the first two I have sort of locked in. Oh, and also not Legion, but Kill Team. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> I'm I'm up to four I'm up to four kill teams that are unpainted and I do want and one, at least one more that I want to get and I want to try to dip my I think 2023 could be the year I get into kill team as well. Yeah, I'm gonna, group, I'm gonna pick up an intercessors box at some yeah. point. Local group does kill team every month. I'm you know I'm and we've actually had a lot of folks that are our, that our regulars for our for our events come from the local kill team group so that's where our crossover is coming from a lot of it i gotta say you guys spun me up on kill team like i don't know seven months ago and i quickly it was, got a it was kill longer team than it was longer it. than that it was longer yeah. than that yeah i mean i do have my my scouts i mean i can we can go whenever yep i got i, I got four of them that are not painted so <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have, don't you have an old, old 40k faction that you used to have that you could pretty much just pull from? No, my 40k stuff is Deathwing Terminators, and those are not playable at Kill Team. I got Vetguard, I have have Vetguard, I have Gene Stealers, I have the Blooded Trader Marines, and I have, what else? Drawing a blank now. Maybe I'm already counting the intercessors that I know I'm going to get. Right. Because I can't resist. Is that What's the difference between intercessors you know, and the Harlequin intercessors? No, I don't have the Harlequins. Okay. And I don't have, I don't have Geller Pox, but I want them too. Okay. Is there a difference between assessor or intercessors and assault intercessors? In, yeah. No. So, so intercessors have like chain swords and jetpacks. It, the yeah, assault, those are the ones I have. The assault intercessors are playable in the intercessors kill team, but you can also take you can now you can mix and match them. Oh god. You can mix and match shooty intercessors with your assault intercessors. <sighs> That's trying to get me to spend more money. Mhm. 
well, don't worry, don't worry about it because I'm probably in, I'm probably in for like half an intercessor box. Just put it in the back burner for now. I know I'm going to get a wild hair up my butt and want to build a dark angels intercessor team. Yeah. See, I know I'm going to, I'm going to have to paint them as, as ultramarines so that they can go with my army that I already have. Yep. I'm, I'm already dreaming like exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to kit batch the heck out of everything. So anyway, yeah. So 2023 could be the year of kill team and a boy, I'm going to have a heck of a time editing this. (laughs) One thing I do want to do this year is I want to pick up a large scale model just to, to put together to paint like our Goulamane or Bacar, something like that. So I you can just part of your editing is one of the the large things I picked up in the Loot Studios Nivadelier set is is a dragon, and it's big, and I'm real excited to, to print and paint that. <laughs> yeah, I don't need anything big like that. You have that giant statue already at home. I'm like big Cthulhu. I have to learn how to use an airbrush before I before I tackle that. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was that was something I was going to do in last year. Maybe this year will, will be the year of airbrush. Oh boy, you know we're going to replay this episode back in a year and be like, see how we did, on our <laughs> and we're going to be like, we didn't get anything done. <laughs> we're even more buried in gray plastic. It sucks. But at least we'll have spent a lot of time playing because coming up, we got it deconflicted locally. Finally, our official State and War Cry Club store championship at Epic Loot in Centerville. Sunday, January 29th, starting at noon. Check in at noon, probably go to about 6.30 p.m. We're, we're collecting money for this $10 entry fee to go towards a prize pool. And those of you that have played there before, not Zach, because Zach's missed all of the events. <clears throat> we're doing the core book, the core book match play missions. So the, the six out of there, you're going to get a rent. That's that you don't know which ones that they're going to be. You'll learn on the day of other things we do locally here. So we don't do monsters here in Dayton. We we unofficially we're, we're out. Well, since I'm running them, we've officially banned monsters because we want this to be newbie friendly. And I think that monsters really kind of take away a lot of the uh, the design, you know, a lot of the useful design space for a lot of models and just bad new player experience. So no monsters. However, if you have Underworlds models from the two white dwarf issues, 477 or 482, so we have six different war war bands, you can use them for Bladeboard war bands. So the Black Pards, Buccaneers, Xandar's Truth Seekers, the uh, the Sons of Melorn, you know those guys all good to go. Was that and also then, like the zombies and the yep necromancy? Okay. Yep, cool. the Exiled Dead is good. The what's the other one? The the Crew Boys one, and the uh, the gnarled the gnarled spirit dudes, those those beast guys hmm. that that ally into Slaves to Darkness. Yep, those six war bands are going to be legal for this. It'll be on Best Coast Pairings. We'll have a link there for the best. We'll have a link in the description here for the to, to sign up. We're asking you to, to pre-register in Best Coast Pairings and submit your roster in advance as well. So we're going to be collecting rosters for this and actually tracking this publicly on Best Coast Pairings. And then also, I'm still working on verifying this, but I believe in two weeks, we are going to get one more practice session in Epic Loot. I haven't done a flyer for this, confirmed this yet, but this will be our typical informal play. 
I, you know, I can match people up if they need to, or people can challenge or do whatever, but this will be just, you know, a, a last minute session at Epic Loot. So that way we have enough games under our belt without the monsters that people kind of know what to expect. So yeah, a lot of gaming, a lot of gaming coming up this month. And, you know, you read my mind, Zach, talking about coverage. So what I want to do for this event, maybe in the third round, but probably in the fourth round, as we, as we are playing off for the winner, we are going to do coverage of this. So we're going to, that last round, we're going to, I'll be recording it. I'll be doing what I usually do, taking notes on the game, taking pictures of the game. And the participants, I will be inviting them on the podcast to do a battle report for that final for the game. So there's our tournament report right there. There's our, our battle report. Exciting. So you yep. So you get to hear from the participants talking about how it all went down. Again, I feel that that's um, just going to be two of us, anyways. Yeah, it's just it, going to be probably Fred and somebody else. <laughs> it may not be. Well, Fred's Fred's put in a lot of work, but we got we got some up and we got some up and comers here from the from the kill team community that have have really proven themselves. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Yep. Yeah, we got we got some competition here. Also. Also, we have Jolly said he was going to come down from Columbus, and there's also some another guy, Sam, who I played up in Columbus. He might be coming down too. Okay. And yeah, so there's definitely some formidable folks coming down, and we got the glass trophy for uh, the store champion trophy for Epic to give out. It is very nice. I've I've seen it. Yep. But all right, this brings us to a close for this episode of Dayton Warcry Club. We covered a lot of ground and a lot of lists today, and we'll be back with more next month, plus hopefully some good progress on our hobby projects. I'm hoping we also see the re-release of our unique tourney reporting format to go with our coverage. Until next time, I'm War Machine. I'm Yogmonster Press. See you forever. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next year. And I'm not going back and editing to increase your gain if you if, <laughs> if we can't hear you. <laughs> I did that once and never again. Can you hear me now? No, you're still faint.